0: the past Won't die on the road beyond my years I've no sorrow, but today I don't walk alone Cause I'm on the road road. to recovery Step by step
1: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. First, we're going to have our joke. Ayo, it's
2: Joey here with uh, your joke for the evening. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. Thank you. All right. Um, Here we go. The NSA walks into a bar. Hey, I've got a great joke for you, the barman says. The NSA smiles and says, Heard it. (laughs) They're always listening. Thank you.
1: So I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Mark. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. Please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that will make noise or distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away. Ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. If everyone's ready, we're going to have the monks come in and see you in two minutes. So we're going to open up this meeting with the fog light prayer. If you don't know it, it's on the projector screen. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Nancy to come up here and read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have a spiritual experience, so it's important to know what one is. Here's Nancy.
3: Hi, I'm Nancy, and I'm an alcoholic. Happily for everyone, the conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think that this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer.
1: Thank you, Nancy. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. Again, this is a tech-free meeting, so please just set your uh, phones to airplane or meeting mode or just turn them off. So tonight, I have the pleasure to introduce our speaker. He's on his seventh session. His name is Pat R. from Coral Springs, Florida. Um, I I started listening to Pat a few years back, five, six years ago. And and he's just one of these guys that you can really look up to in AA. Hands down, I'm not just saying he lives for this stuff. I mean, he'll speak anywhere, he'll sponsor anybody. I mean, he just he loves this stuff, and it's it's great to see him. He he does our uh, series just about every year, and um, he he's right in the heart of this thing right now. He talked last week about you know just how sacred this process is, and um, you, you know like how you gotta pretty much be a trusted servant of God. And I'm just as always, excited to hear what Pat has to say tonight. And if you could just give Pat a warm welcome, he's going to come up here.
4: Hi,
5: everybody. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Pat. And thanks to the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the program of AA, uh, I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And for that, I'll be forever grateful. Uh, A.A. Shirley has given me a new way of life, and, and I absolutely enjoy my life for the most part. You know, I, I, was, I was thinking about, when you were introducing me, I was thinking about my behavior last night at the concert. And, uh, oh, my God, I'll tell you, long way to go, man. And, you know, so, so I'll tell you the story. It's really a ten-step story, I guess, rather than a six- or seven-step story. But I'm at the Jackson Brown James Taylor concert last night. And, and I'm with a bunch of backseat drivers, right, and, and, and so we can't find the parking that we're supposed to be at, but everybody knows where it is, but this stupid ass doesn't follow directions, so we can't get into the place, right, so there's tension to begin with, and everybody we ask, I guess they're, I guess because of the labor shortage, they're hiring the homeless, God bless them, you know, and I couldn't understand anything, I mean, they would send us back out into traffic, and so we're going to be late for the concert anyway, and, and and I'm around those people. I'm, my idea of being on time is to be 15 minutes early. That's just who I am, right? But everybody that I hang out with, their idea of being on time is 15 minutes late, you know? And, and so that's, that's where my nerves are when, once we get into the arena, into the, uh, the venue. And so we walk up all these stairs to get to our seat. And we get to the row where our seat is and there 's two couples at the beginning, of the, and then there 's two empty seats, and then my seat right and uh, and they're they 're very heavy people, very heavy people and, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, obese would probably be the word, but and, and i 'm not making fun i 'm just stating the facts right and they 're telling me to walk back down and go around the other side they 're not getting up right now i 'm not in the mood to hear this right. <laughs> So six of us just walked up 50 steps, right? And they want me to walk back down the steps and go up the steps the other side and come in. And I I can almost touch my seat, right? So there were a few F-bombs dropped. (laughs) Not by them. (laughs) Uh, Are you effing kidding me? You know, are you effing going to make me walk down these steps and back up the other side? Are you effing serious? I mean that's by conversation, right? And you know, spiritual pat, right? And and this is the program in action for me right there, right? I mean my wife's in recovery and my former sponsor Brian's with us, he's in recovery. And and you know, they're all like just looking at me going, Boy, you're 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 representing man, you know. <laughs> But here's the thing. I'm walking down the steps. I finally give up. (laughs) So we turn around. Come on, guys, turn around. We walk down the steps. And as I'm walking down the steps and over and back up the steps, something that would have never happened in my life had it not been for the recovery process is that I look inward. I'm no longer thinking about them at all during this walk. I'm thinking about me and my behavior and how lucky I am to be able to walk down these freaking steps and over and up the other flight of steps. Something these two people can't do. You know? And and I get up to the top of the steps and my wife's looking at me like, nice job. You know? <laughs> and 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 I look over at the guy and the and the woman that's sitting there. And there's like I said, two empty seats and then two people and then them. And I apologize. So I, I got peace. I am so sorry. You know, I mean, I, I was so rude. You know, accept uh, my apology, and they both gave me the peace sign, and we were good. You know, but but that is just this program in action, and unfortunately, uh, someday I hope to be able to show some restraint. You know. And, and not go off on that tangent before i have to and not to have to apologize right that 's a ten step talk down, down the road, but to not have to to not have to apologize again and just just do the right thing and turn around and go the other way and just so I can just get taken out and I think it was a snowball of things that took place that 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 had me uptight I'm making excuses I know
4: yeah.
5: <laughs> anyway that's that 's where i 'm at, you know. Uh, the real deal. <laughs> it wasn't for this program. I'm in a fight at the Jackson Brown James Taylor concert. Right? That's that's the deal. Right? <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what else was on my mind all day today. And, and uh, before I get into this talk. funny how things just come on your heart. And and I I always talk about uh, you are who you hang out with. You know you will become who you hang out with. You know if you hang out with people who do big book studies and step series and 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 literature-based meetings, you will become a big book person, a 12 and 12 person. You'll become a literature-based AA participant. And and if you follow the people that just don't drink and go to meetings or don't drink and go to Denny's or Lester's or whatever, uh, you'll become a don't drink and go to Lester's uh, a guy. And And... And if you hang out with the predators and the guys that lie for a living, and that's that's who you'll become. You'll just—I I think my life has always been like that. I always kind of assimilated and became who I hung out with, you know. And and I think the same thing happens here. And so I learned a lot chasing those guys in my early recovery. I talk a lot about the mentors that were in my life, and 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 these are fictitious names, but guys like Mike and and Zeke and uh and dave t and father bob and and uh garrett and you know uh guys who were really really a ben t guys that were really instrumental in my recovery guys that i chased i wanted to know where they were you know what i mean like they had what i wanted they they had this foundation they had this this aura Right, they had. It was like Abby, Bill looking at Abby. There was something in their eyes, man. It was. Some, I wanted what they had, and and I chased those guys. I didn't just go to a meeting. I went to a meeting where they were, you know. And today it was guys like Russell and you know, my, and Pete and you know, guys that I still chase, you know, and and and, uh, and listened to on a regular basis, and and, uh, and and I was thinking how much I learned from them and how much I benefited from them, and then I thought. I learned a lot of what not to do, too. You know, I watched a few of them relapse uh, with long term recovery. You know, I saw a lot of them do, not a lot of them, but a few of them, maybe two or three of them, two I can name right off the top of my head, who began to, what, what Pastor uh, Dave always says, uh, they used what the source, they used the resources that the source gave them and started worshiping the resources. And forgot about the source. You know what I mean? Like the source gives us... Our connection to the source is what gives us the gifts. Whether it be the gift of sobriety, the gift of prosperity, uh, relational gifts, whatever it might be, I get from a power greater than myself. Without that, I am nothing. Without that, my base nature is selfish and self-centered. I mean, that's who I am. That's my base nature. And, and without that... And, 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 but but I, sometimes we tend to get caught up in the gifts, in the resources... We get financial success. We get relational success. We're back in the house. We get our kids back. You know, the job's going great. And we start to lose the respect and give credit to the source. And I've seen those guys start worshiping other things, like the money or the relationship. And I've seen some of them with long-term. I mean, guys that I followed for, I mean, I, they had 17 years when I got here in 1991, you know. And, and I've seen some of them in the last 10 years. One die from an overdose in Costa Rica. And one of them relapse because he went from helping people in a halfway situation, in a homeless situation, to making money off of people in a halfway in a homeless situation. That just the attitude changed. You know, the priority changed. And that our book warns us that, right? The, the, the uh, ego and the, the, the voices and the worship of other things will take us away from the source. You know? And I've learned that that's the case. That's why I'm, I'm in the middle. That's why you're talking about me being in the middle. I need to be in the middle. I'm, I suffer from a terrible case of, of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. It's not, alcohol's not my problem anymore. Alcohol and drugs are not my problem. You know, my problem is me. You know, my problem is alcoholism, not alcohol or drugs. And, and I have to be treating it on a, on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour, as, as I just explained to you at the concert last night. I need to be treating it constantly. Or or I take myself right out of the sunlight. You know. The cool thing about that situation last night is I'm out of the sunlight for, what, five minutes? right? And and if I don't do what I did, I'm in conflict the whole concert. You know, I'm in conflict the rest of the night. And God knows what the ride home is going to be like, you know, in the vehicle with these backseat drivers, you know, that that all hell's going to break loose when I leave there. But it's immediately I know that I can't do conflict and, and I need to stay in the middle of this thing. And, and to me, that's what this has all been about. I mean, we're, we, we, I think all the work we've done to this point has brought us to 6 and 7. I think, and this is just my opinion, but I think everything peaks right here. I think everything pyramids right here at 6 and 7. You know, I think it's all about exposing these defects of character. And then except for 8 and 9 being slipped in there, the rest is about keeping these defective characters in check. You know, whether it's the spot check inventory, the nightly inventory, prayer meditation, uh, you know, worship outside of aa whatever it is to keep me connected to the sunlight of the spirit and keep those defects of character in check or at least when they get out of whack like last night i'm able to bring them back i'm able to bring myself back into the into god's grace and 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 with a simple apology you know with a a simple i was wrong (laughs) you know i mean just that easy but i think everything pyramids here everything has been about exposing this except for the first two steps this admission uh, of of, uh, of powerlessness and this uh, knowing this this the, the admission that without a power greater than human power that i'm i 'm doomed uh, the, really the decision was to find out the truth about myself. you know am I really selfish and self centered and driven by a hundred forms of fear as the book says because i don 't think so right I mean the book says that we don 't usually think so
4: yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. we're extreme examples of self will run riot. But we don't think so. I mean, that's right out of the book. That's what the book says. I love what Russell, I was listening to Russell's talk today at the gym. And Russell says, here's the short version of that. I don't give a shit about anybody but me. That's the short version of that paragraph. I don't care about anybody but me. I love that. That's the truth. What's in it for me? How much is mine? What about me? That was my whole life. My whole life. I I was a taker in every aspect of my life. Is that true? And I think the journey has been about finding the truth in that, right? Bill's analogy with the business inventory is genius, I think. A fact-finding, fact-facing effort to find the truth out about myself. Let me look at the facts. Let me face the facts. Is this true? (laughs) Is it true? Hell yeah, it's true. Yeah. Hell yeah, it's true. My tools consist of... Dishonesty, inconsideration, selfishness, fear. Those are my tools to deal with life. That's the energy behind my life. That's how I satisfy my needs. That's how I, satisfy, that's how I get people to like me. <laughs> that's the tools I have. That's how I, I satisfy my, my material needs. That's how I get ahead materially, financially. That's how I develop relationships. Those are my skills when I get here. I lie, I cheat, I steal. I'm inconsiderate, and I'm a self seeker. what I say? <laughs> do you ever do that? Like 50 people in a room and one leaves, you go, What'd I say? <laughs> but I don't care what people think of me, right? <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I think, you know, I've ascertained that's true. You know, what the book is saying is true. I mean, our, my fourth step, I mean, it was just obvious that I can't be me, that I create this fake self, you know, and I, to live in this ego-driven life. And there's just not enough of anything. We are talking on the way over, no matter who I'm in relationship with, no matter how much money I have, no matter what house I live in, no matter what car I'm driving, it's not enough. It's enough for a little while. It's enough for a few weeks. It's just never enough. I need more. And the truth is, it's an inside job. It's not an outside job. I just think, I keep thinking that there's something on the outside that's going to fix what's going on with me on the inside. And it does temporarily. The new car will do that temporarily. The new job will do that temporarily. The money will do that temporarily. The new watch, the new something will do that temporarily. The relationship will do it temporarily. But in the end, it's not enough. In the end, I'm still stuck with me. And in my fourth step, I I shared with you guys, I had an amazing experience in my fourth step. And I would have never believed that. To do this uncomfortable exercise that I would have this awakening. And that seems, to be every, that seems to be the way this program is, right? To do what we don't want to do. To do the uncomfortable to grow. I think that's an Edison quote, right? All progress is born in, is, is born in uncomfortability. You know, if we were comfortable where we were, we wouldn't change. All change is based in being uncomfortable. Not liking where I'm at. If I liked where I'm at, I'm not doing anything. I never, I don't think I ever get up in the morning and say, I just want to grow today. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? I just want to be a better person today. I think I get up and go, man, I feel like shit. What do I need to get out of this? You know what I mean? <laughs> I just, there got to be something I can do to get out of this mindset, you know? And it forces me to grow. It forces me to reach out to the positive. To seek God. To seek God. Because in the end, that's the answer here, you know? That, that. I can't do anything about it. You know. I'm constantly in need of attention. Right? So, so I think you know these are two steps that Bill added. I think you know we're we're looking. We always talk about the six-step program that's listed on 263 in Oral Treat's story. We see it in the forward to the second edition. It's surrender, inventory, confession, restitution, helpfulness to others, and a belief in dependence on God. I think he takes the first two steps from William James, this facing defeat and admitting defeat and then seeking a power greater than human power for a solution. He adds those two. He adds a get ready step in 8 and 9, and he adds a spot check inventory in 10, and he sticks the tools of change right in the middle, right? 6 and 7. And you go from 6 to 12 steps. The tools of change. If nothing changes here, nothing changes. What am I going to do? Rebuild a 4-step, right? If my behavior stays the same, I'm going to be writing another four-step in a few months. I won't be doing spot check image. And look, I don't have anything against doing multiple four-steps. I've done a few. You know, I don't have, a, I mean, semi-annual, annual. I don't care, you know, look, the thing is we're going to be doing inventory the rest of our lives. You know, but am I, the key is, am I going to have another eight-step list in a month from now? And I have another list of amends that I need to make a month from now. So I don't think it's a coincidence that 6 and 7 is plugged in between 8 and 9 so that somehow I show up differently when I'm making amends, right? There's got to be some demonstration of change when I show up to make things right with other people, you know, to get right in that third dimension that we're talking about, right? Right now we're getting right with God, we're getting right with ourselves, so that we can go out and get right with the rest of the world. Spiritually, mentally, physically. Right? The three dimensions that we live in. But there better be some demonstration. I better show up different. <laughs> when I go to when I it better not be just I'm sorry, could you loan me fifty dollars? And by the way, I'm sorry that I stole that money from you. You know, we better show up a different person. I want to show up with some light in my eyes. I want to show up awake spiritually. I want them to say there's something different. I want them to be Bill looking at Ebby. There's something different in his eyes. And believe it or not, he brought something. He didn't take something. So I don't think it's a it's a coincidence that Bill plugs those two tools of to change in between five and eight and nine. Yeah. And in five, you know what? I got some I, I shared last week last week with you guys, I got some real freedom in five. You know? I, I was kind of liberated from my past in step five. Now what am I going to do? Build up another, another garbage can full of records? I got I to change. I got to change my thinking. This is all about changing my thinking so my, my actions will change, so my life will change. With me, it's about change the way I think so my emotions will change. Therefore, my actions will change and my life will change. I got some new direction from a sponsor when I shared some of the stuff with him. Yeah. I got some real insight on who and really what who I really am. Humility in step five, right? The bonus. A clear-cut recognition, a clear recognition of exactly who and what I am. I know exactly who and what I am now. Yeah. And what I need to change. It's obvious. You know, I think you know, I have some disagreement with some people on these steps. You know, some people couple of guys that are really knowledgeable uh, on the steps talk about bill being inexperienced at this point in his recovery and not writing that much about six and seven Uh, because we know that when he writes the 12 and 12 13 years later when that's published he writes you know six goes from six lines to seven pages we know seven goes from seven lines to seven pages you know and i don't think so i think bill knew exactly what he was doing i think bill knew that this was a lifetime freaking process you know that this was going to take time, this was going to take constant vigilance to continue to change, and that we would be taking some steps backwards at times and we would be taking some steps forwards at times, and we'd take three steps forwards and two back, you know. but we 'd recognize it and ask God to take us to better things you know ask God because the uncomfortability is is what i can 't deal with anymore. I get this we, I call it a ten step knot in my stomach as soon as i as as 'm out of the sunlight. I'm painfully aware of when I am acting out on a defective character. (laughs) I'm painfully aware of it. (laughs) No doubt about it. Like last night. Like last night. And this, you know, I think it was Joe McQueenie used to say, this is so simple. This is stop doing what you shouldn't do and start doing what you should do. Move on. Right? I mean, really, isn't that it? We know now what we shouldn't do. Right? We shouldn't lie, cheat, steal. We shouldn't be dishonest. We shouldn't be inconsiderate. We shouldn't be selfish. We shouldn't be self-centered. We shouldn't be driven by fear. Those are the things we got to stop doing and start doing what you should do. Start being unselfish. Start being considerate. Start being honest. Simple, right? Ain't easy. It ain't easy. I'm fine with it as soon as somebody comes up against one of those instinctual drives, right? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm doing just great Till somebody threatens my reputation or somebody hurts my feelings or somebody takes something material from me or somebody doesn't pay me or bounces a check on me or runs into my car or threatens my relationship. I'm just fine until you come up against one of those instinctual drives. And then that self-preservation pat comes out, and I use my tools to protect myself. Because I don't want you to think poorly of me. I don't want to lose money or material items. I don't want my relationship threatened. I get things from these. This satisfaction, these instinctual drives, there's pleasure in satisfying them. You know what I was thinking about uh, today was that, uh, that the problem with reeling in these drives is that they are pleasurable. And anytime I take them beyond what God intended them to be, there seems to be more pleasure in them. But it's short lived. You know what I mean? Like, I never, for that minute or two minutes or however many minutes or hours that pleasure is, the benefit of acting out on these defects of character is the consequences far outweigh the pleasure that was involved in there. But I can't see past that. I can't seem to get past the pleasure part. So I can fall prey to these drives at any time. I could. I think, it was, uh, I think it was the last time I did a step series here. Uh, I was leaving my house, and my stepdaughter was down from Tallahassee visiting, and she parked her Cadillac beside my van, and I didn't see it there. And I backed out of the driveway and cut the wheel and took the whole side of her, her car out. Right. Now, you would think spiritual Pat would go in the house and say, I just hit your car. What do I got to do to make it right? No. I got out of my car. I went in the garage. I got some rubbing compound out to get the paint off of her car. Right? I got a plunger, trying to pull the freaking dent out of the side of her car. All I needed was a freaking ski mask. You know? I mean, I was looking. I mean, like a thief in the night. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make. You know, I'm gonna make all these dents go away. You know, get my pain off of this thing. And then I'm thinking, well, she'll think it happened in a shopping center somewhere. And I left. <laughs> this is a couple years ago. Well, not even a year and a half ago, I think. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm on my way here to speak about spiritual principles <laughs> as I leave the house. Right. And I can't live with myself. There lies the issue. there lies the conflict, right? Now, what am I going to do about the conflict? Am I going to now my instinctual drives are threatened what's threatened here? My social instincts threaten what you think of me? what you think of my driving? My financial, my pocketbook, my security instinct is threatened here Not sure if my sex instinct was threatened. It was her daughter <laughs> it 's possible. <laughs> Right? You come up against those instinctual drives and my base nature says, protect yourself. Protect yourself. And I'm on my way here thinking, how in the hell am I going to speak at this meeting after I just wrecked this car and ran? Right? (laughs) And because of that conflict, you know, there's this, like, spiritual warfare that goes on, right? I got Yoda on one shoulder going, do the right thing you must. You know? And I got Vader going, fuck them. You know? (laughs) They'll never know. You know? And I called my wife and said, "I just hit your daughter 's car, I'll be home soon." Boom. You know? And I just and immediately I 'm back in the sunlight. I'm out of conflict again. You know? Conflict kills me. Conflict absolutely kills me. You know? I was in a customer's house right, before, not long before that I'd, you know, and usually when, when things go wrong in my life, it's because I 'm bragging about how good I am. You know i got to really be careful about it because I think I'm the best at what I do. You know, and I don't mind letting you know that I'm the best at what I do. Especially when you're trying to tell me how to do what I do best. You know what I mean? Like when you're one of those customers that wants to be over and tell me what I should be doing, I have to tell you that I am the best at what I do. And as soon as I do that, something goes wrong. As soon as I do that, it goes... And, and, and I finally get the lady away from me and I'm tapping this piece of wood and this other piece of wood falls right on her brand new range and dents the back of the range. And I'm telling you this story because... I have such a lack of faith that if I do the right thing, everything will be just fine. And immediately I'm going, I look around to see if anybody saw the rage get dented. And then I try to straighten it with my fingers. And I'm mentally like meditating on this dent, trying to make it go. Because I used to move shit with my mind. Back in the 70s, there was some shit you could use to move, I moved glasses across tables, I'm telling you. True, true story. And I'm doing everything I can to make this dent go away and it ain't going to go away. Right? And now the warfare starts. Do I just get out of here before she notices? And deny it after I leave? It must have been like that one. I mean, I got this freaking crazy shit going on in my mind. You know? And I finally admit it and say, look, I dented your range. You know, what can I do to make it right? And she goes, can you get that part? And I said, yeah, I think I can. So I order the part. It comes in wrong twice. The wrong part comes twice. Wrong. The husband finally calls me and said, enough of this shit. Just get me another stove. All right? It's 500 bucks. OK.
4: I'm,
5: I'm surrendering. And I go to the dealer who I work for. And I tell them, I go to the manager, I go, look, I need to buy a range for this customer. Just tell me how much it is. Here's my credit card, and, uh, and I'll take the other range. You know, I'll buy it. You know? And he looks at me and he says, Pat, you have bailed us out of more situations over the years. You've been with us for what, 25 years? You have bailed us out time and time again. It's on us. Don't worry about it we'll sell it at the scratch and dent. But I don't have that kind of faith. I don't have that kind of faith that if I'm honest on my damn tax return, everything will work out. I just got to do the right thing. No, I got warfare going on. Is this dinner a write-off or not? Did we talk about business at this dinner? We could have talked about business at that dinner. I could write this. I mean, it's bullshit, but it's real. I don't do my taxes still today. I can't do it. It's just too much. I hand I I print out my QuickBooks. I hand it to the accountant. Just tell me what the hell to do. You know, I can't get involved in that. i just it's 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 a shame. It's just such a lack of faith. <laughs> I wish I could tell you I was over it. I'm just not. You know? It's 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 coming up against those instinctual drives. Coming that self-preservation instinct. You know? I'll tell you I don't care what you think about me, but all I care about is what you think about. me. I'll tell you it ain't about the money. And as soon as somebody says it ain't about the money, it's about the freaking money. Or they wouldn't say it ain't about the money. It's always about the money. If you say it ain't about the money, it's about the money. <laughs> yeah. And God forbid you threaten my relationship. Yeah. We were talking here, I, you know, for these, for these brief moments, right, these brief moments of pleasure, I will risk a lifetime of a relationship. I will blow a future relation with a brief moment of pleasure. I can't see past that moment of pleasure to see the consequences that might happen. That's sad. But why is that? Why is it that I think that the outside is the key to my happiness? I've been taught that all my life, by the way. I think think most of us are taught to live an ego-driven life. I think most of us are taught that look, you get a good education and you get a good job, you'll make some good money and you'll find a relationship and you'll buy a nice house and you guys will have kids and you'll be happy ever after. And all this outside stuff is going to make you happy ever after. And so, I mean, we even have photos. We have billboards that tell us how we're supposed to look. Your breasts should look like that. And if, you don't, if they don't look like that, we can make them look like that. Or your face should look like this. And we have, a, we have a doctor who can make your face look like that. You do know, like the way your ears look? We'll tuck them bitches, you know? <laughs> we'll fix that nose, you know? We'll make you look like you should look. We've got magazines full of pictures of what you should look, how heavy you should, how white you should be, what, how, what you should be wearing. All about the outside. It's always been about the outside. My appearance. My whole life was, 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 was driven by get the job so I could get the car so I could get the girl. I think that started at age 13. That was my whole life. Oh, I didn't bring my, uh, I wanted to bring the As Bill Sees It uh, book on page 100. Bill talks about, and I'm going to paraphrase it, uh, he talks about the fudge of life. And he talks about, uh, anybody ever gone up to East Dorset? Anybody gone to the Wilson House? Did you, Pete, you went up there? Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah, and where Bill was born, he was actually born behind the bar, which is cool. <laughs> but but that, he actually was raised by his grandparents. His, his parents divorced when he was, I don't know, nine maybe, you know, somewhere in that area. Uh, his dad had a little booze problem. And, uh, and he ended up living next door with his grandparents with the the Griffiths, and he lived in the Griffith House, which is kind of a monument now with the library and But you get to go upstairs where his bedroom was and and that is really cool i mean it 's surreal to be standing in bill 's bedroom and his original stuff is right there and he talks about looking out that window and staring at Mount Aeolus. oh, you have it great
6: yeah, thank you
5: daniel 's the man. Uh-huh. So when I was a child, I acquired some of the traits that had a lot to do with my insatiable craving for alcohol. I was brought up in a little town, Vermont, under the shadow of Mount Alois. So you get, so I'm standing at the window. I can't really see the mountain like Bill could see it because of all the growth, all the trees and everything. But he's standing there looking at this this beautiful mountain. An early recollection is that looking up at this vast and mysterious mountain, wondering what it meant and whether I could ever climb that high. So he has this dream of uh, this this vision of him climbing this mountain and getting to the top and looking at East Dorset, you know, being able to look over East Dorset, right? He says, but I was presently distracted by my aunt, who as a fourth birthday present made me a plate of fudge. And for the next 35 years, I pursued the fudge of life and forgot all about the mountain. (laughs) So I had all these dreams and uh, aspirations, if you will, as a kid. I wanted to be a baseball player in the worst way. I had these idols like Roberto Clemente, you know, Willie Stargell, and Richie Hebner, and these guys, uh like Brooks Robinson, and and uh, I mean just goes on and on. I had these. Uh, I read all every baseball book. Ty Cobb. I read all the, every baseball book there was. I really wanted to be, and I was good. You know, I was really good. I was just so insecure that I I couldn't handle pressure. You know, on the practice field, I actually made the high school baseball team. I just couldn't perform under prefer, Under pressure, I just would choke. You know. And But I had this dream that that 's what all I wanted was to to play baseball, and I played you know little league prep league, Pony League uh, high school you know and I was decent and then I found this ball of Boone 's farm, strawberry Hill, and I tasted the fudge of life right and and in that ball of Boone 's farm, I was able to talk to women and taste that fudge you know. And I never looked back. I forgot all about baseball. I forgot about anything else. And all I ever pursued was the job, the car, the girl. That was all I ever thought about. You know, this ego-driven life. How do I look good so I can get the girl? Right? How do I, what's the right car? What car do I need? Well, this car's not working, so I need to get another car. Right? And then I'd see the guys and back in our day was the muscle cars, you know, the, the rake cars with the big tires and the tubbed wheels, bells, and you know that all that crap, you know, and those are the guys that seem to be getting the girls. So that's what I needed. I needed to get that. I need to get rid of this sixty-two freaking Chevy Bel Air that I have. And I need to get a, a tub dodge dart, you know, or or some Ford Mustang. I need something with some some I need something to draw the girls. I need something to get the girls. And my whole life was based on that. My whole life was based on fixing the inside with the outside. That that was the key to happiness. I don't remember anybody ever pulling me aside and saying, Look, Pat, the most important thing in your life is a relationship with God. Because if you could get a relationship with God, you could be right spiritually. And if you are right spiritually, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I never had that. Anybody have that talk? Anybody have that talk with their... We learn that here. We learn that here, that this is an inside job, that there is no relationship, there is nothing material, and there is nobody who is going to make you feel good enough to be okay on the inside. I am broken emotionally. I'm an emotional cripple, an absolute emotional cripple without this program. And I can fall into that at any time. To stay in the sunlight is the key for me. How do I stay in the sunlight? How do I not act out on these defective characters so that I stay in the sunlight? That's the trick. (laughs) That's the trick. I was, uh... I was sitting in church one day, and I fell in love with Father Kelly, just, just an amazing man. And, uh... You know, I used to wonder why the hell would anybody want to be a priest. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of like to me that was like dysfunctional, right? Because happiness to me is getting laid, right? I mean, right? I mean, happy, without a relationship, how can you be happy, right? How can you be happy alone? And I always question why would somebody want to be a priest? Who in the hell? What dysfunctional part, human being would want to be a priest? And I met Father Kelly, and and Father Kelly, when he does the mass. There are tears running down his face while he's doing it. And I'm not promoting any religion or anything. I'm just sharing some experience, you know. Uh, I go wherever God is, by the way. I, you know, I was raised Catholic. I'm Catholic. But I go, I go to CBG. I go to South Point. I go wherever God is. I go to AA. I go to CA. I go to NA. Wherever God is. You know? But I'm watching Father Kelly do the Eucharist, and tears are coming down his face. And, and he does his homily. And every time he does his homily, he's in tears. I mean, he will look up and channel, no notes, nothing, and just, and with with tears running down his face, and I looked at him, and I went, oh, my God, I get it. He's free. He's not driven by what we're driven by. He's not driven by what I'm driven by. He has such a powerful relationship with the God of his understanding. He doesn't need any validation. He doesn't need the relationship he has a relationship beyond anything that I could ever imagine, and for a moment, I even looked at my wife and I go, "Man, I want what he has. No, I don't that's just not true and I, and i I thought I did and and it it was one of my biggest fears is to be at a podium and not have anything to say. you know that is my biggest fear that I'll get up here and freeze and nothing will come out, and then there will be this silence, and that could be uncomfortable. And, uh, and I shared what I just shared with you from the podium up in Boca, that I wanted what he had, and I was choked, absolutely choked silent. And I had to, I had to leave. I was, it, was, it was 15 minutes I had to go, and I said, I'm done. <laughs> I left. The truth is that's not true, because I'm not willing to do what he does to get what he's got. I'm not willing to give up the material and the relational. I'm not willing to do that. I still find pleasure in that. I I don't have the faith that he has. That I can find everything I need in the spiritual realm. I still think and believe that I need a relationship in my life. I still think and believe that I need the material in my life. I still worship at that altar, you know? And I, and I look, I'm, I do not know if I'll ever stop worshiping in that altar, but I know who I am. And that is who I am. You know? I think it was, was, uh, Paul who said, you know, it's so, he was saying it is simple. And I, by the way, Paul, uh, Saul who became Paul in a bigger book, uh, is my favorite character in all of history. You know, uh, If Paul, if God could love Paul, he could love any of us, right? That's that's the kind of faith I have that God loves me, because God loved Paul. Paul was a freaking terrorist, right? Paul killed Christians. That was his job. Killed Christians. That's what he did. He was a murderer, And God knocked him off his horse on his ass, got his attention, and Paul worked for him the rest of his life, mostly from prison, writes most of the New Testament from prison. And never recants his experience. And if God could love him, he could love me. And Paul admits his brokenness. As I do. What I should do, I do not do. And what I should not do, I do. That's Paul. Because I'm driven by the flesh. Driven by the flesh. I think it was the teacher who said, the spirit is strong but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I'm willing, but I'm weak. I am willing, but I'm weak. He also says that uh, successful living comes through daily dying. And I believe that's the journey I'm on. Is that I'm every day trying to kill off the old self and create this new self. And create this 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 new self that's on this spiritual path right to be less of a liar right Right. to be less selfish to be less inconsiderate i was about i was about four or five years sober and and kenny kane who passed away uh was doing a step series for us at a, at a clubhouse that I was involved in up in, in uh, this was years ago, this was 25 years ago. And Kenny Kane was doing a talk on six and seven. And Kenny said, When I came to AA, they told me I needed to shoplift less. And I went, We have a freaking thief doing a step series at our clubhouse. Because right, I'm the AA police now, like I'm the treasurer of the group. Right? And this is my group, and we have a thief chairing this freaking meeting. He just admitted he's shoplifts, right? but less. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. And I mean, I, we had a group conscience. Like, can, you, can we allow this to happen? And somebody said something so stupid to me, but it makes such sense to me today. He says, Pat, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Listen to the message. You're, we're not here to judge we're here to listen to the message don't mind the messenger just listen to the message it took me years to realize he was on the freaking money that's exactly what this step is about lying less stealing less on a road to getting to better well i'm never going to be perfect it's not going to happen i'm a broken individual the human condition's broken We're all broken. We're shooting for perfection. Bill talks about shooting the arrow towards perfection and and going towards it. That's the destination, knowing that I'm never going to get there. But in the journey, I'm going to become a better person. I'm going to shoplift less. That's the deal, right? That's the deal. I go to work. I show up at work. I got up late. I'm late. My boss is sitting there looking at his watch when I pull into the freaking driveway. He said, What the hell? And I go, I caught traffic, man. I didn't I got up late, but I didn't say I, that makes me look bad if I say I got up late. He said, No, traffic, traffic is bad. He goes, Oh, okay. And I leave there and go, shit, I just lied to him. I'm in recovery. I'm, you know. This is years ago. Now I don't give a shit what he thinks. It just you know, I've been there 30 years, he ain't getting rid of me. The second time it happens, I I you know what happened man you're late again the bridge it was the bridge right I got the bridge at the intercoastal but I leave that situation going shit I did it again uncomfortable man it feels uncomfortable takes me out of the sunlight damn it why do I do that the third time I'm asked I don't even answer (laughs) I just look at him go (laughs) and I walk away progress progress i didn't lie not on point what happened i slept in yeah but that's what it's about right it's just bill talks about eventually overcoming the mountain yeah i overcame the mountain he talks about it i have to find that story i don't know to be sure what page that's on i got it in a in a uh, i get some readings from i get these readings from a bunch of friends of mine all over the country every morning and they have these little snippets in it from all different literature and and he talks about that i eventually overcame the mountain and and stumbled up the hill you know stumbled up the hill it wasn't an easy walk it wasn't an easy climb he said but in the pain and in the falling and the stumbling on the way up the mountain i had to remember not to st- i had to remember to stop and turn around And enjoy the view. And see how far I've come. That's it in a nutshell. I am not where I want to be, but my God, I'm not where I was. I am nothing like that person who walked in here. Nothing like that. Not even close to that. Not close to where I need to be. But I'm getting better. It just takes time for me. I'm a slow learner, man. I'm a slow learner. Overcoming these instinctual drives is impossible for me. the Step six talks about attitude of willingness. It talks about: Have we admitted that these are objectionable? Are we willing? Are we willing to let them go? Doesn't say ready in that step, does it? Says it in the next step. It says it in seven, right? Or am I willing now to let go and let? Spiritual principles guide my sexual instincts. Am I willing to let go and let spiritual principles guide my material and security instincts? Am I willing to let go and let spiritual principles guide my social instincts? And just do the right thing and have faith that all will will work out in the end. Am I willing to let go of my inconsideration and my dishonesty and my selfishness? Yeah, I'm willing. They're painful. They're objectionable. No doubt. And then it says, when ready, then we say something like this. Let's see if I can find it. My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray now that you remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Amen. I need to be willing, an attitude of willingness, and then with humility as our guide, it says in the 12 and 12, with humility as our guide, we ask God to remove them. Humility meaning I know who I am. I know what I am. I know I can't do this on my own. I know I'm powerless over these defects of character. Absolutely. As powerless as I am over drugs and alcohol, by the way. As powerless, with humility as my guide... I ask God to remove them. Knowing exactly who and what I am help me become what I need to become. In your eyes. In your eyes. And in your eyes. You guys only know me by reputation. God knows me in the dark. (laughs) You know what I want you to know. Maybe too much. (laughs) You get a little transparent sometimes up here. I see these two steps like one and two. I am powerless over drugs and alcohol, and I can't do anything about it without God's help. So I need to cultivate that relationship with God to help me remove the desire to drink and drug. Well, the same is true with my defects of character. I am absolutely powerless over my defect of character, and I can't do anything about them without God's help. It works hand in hand. And when we get to 10, when I get to 10, and I can't say we, but when I get, God bless you, when I get to 10, that's all I'm doing is keeping those instinctual drives in check, right? As soon as I tell the lady at the concert to go F her cell, I need to check my behavior and get out of that back in the sunlight. I'm out of the sunlight, man. When I'm dropping those F-bombs on that poor woman, I'm out of the sunlight. I need to get right back, and ten gets me right back into the sunlight. Spot check it. That'll be on my inventory tonight, I guarantee it. You. you know, when I when I send my inventory to my sponsor, that behavior will be on that inventory. I will admit it and I will ask God to remove it. And hopefully the next time that situation arrives, I don't act out on it. You know? And by the way, I don't know if you noticed or not, that seven step prayer is the same as a third step prayer. Just different wording. We're just offering ourselves to God again to do with, do with us what he will. Remove us from the bondage of self. Take away our difficulties so that victory over them will bear witness to the power and the love and, and, and the message of God. The only difference, there's no amen after three because nothing's changed. There's an amen after step seven. The traveler has changed. The traveler has changed. We have changed as a result of the first seven steps. Amen. Thanks for letting me be here tonight.
1: Thanks, Pat. Can we give Pat another round of applause? Thanks. James coming up here.
2: Hi, my name is James, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seven tradition, which states every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. Um, I've asked Alex to read the recovered statement, We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering, and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. Alex?
1: My name is Alex. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Alex. Uh, recovered. We are not cured from, of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than the body page 23. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered.
2: Thank you, Alex. 1940 style big book sponsorship from forward to the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experienced is that God has not changed over time, and neither should this sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above uh, suggest a 75% success rate. Can I um, see a show of hands of recovered alcoholics out there? Oh my God, it's like half the room. It's great. Is there anyone that needs a sponsor here tonight? Anybody? Anybody? All have sponsors. Wonderful. Uh, We have a few announcements, I believe, for tonight. It's just a reminder that the Broward County um, Intergroup uh, office hours are listed there. They sell medallions, um, AA literature. You can make donations there. There's a helpline, and I believe they have new hours. Are we still running the new hour slide, Mike Chase? And they're now open Saturdays from 10 to 2 Uh, some volunteer options uh, for planning events and then BCIC do we have any BCIC representatives here tonight? no? Uh, they go into jails, institutions and places that we can't get out of they meet uh, once a month at the 12 sub house on Saturday if you need more information, Mike Chase has some uh, please join us Monday night's Big Book Study meeting where the Big Book comes alive fellowships at 6.30 and the Big Book Study starts at 7.15 we have CDs, mugs, large print, big books, little red books and big book dish dictionaries uh, for sale in the back, and we meet here every Thursday starting at 7:15. We'll see you next week.
1: Again, we have tonight's session and all other sessions um, on the podcast at org for free. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study. It's on the third floor of this building. We meet at 6.30 for fellowship. 7.15 is when the meeting starts. It goes to 8.30. Um, if anyone wants to thank Pat, just please line up down the center aisle. Uh, 75 foot no smoking rule. Just try not to smoke in front of that door. Go down by the recept- one of the receptacles down this way. And we're going to close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, our Father, our Lord, our
4: Father. Lord in heaven, I'll give thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not in the
7: So, stop your sign and be.
8: Nothing could come God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.
9: I on your way. To...